Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast episode 89. This is the Minecraft edition. Mojang Studios, based in Stockholm, Sweden, created not only one of the most popular games in the world today with over 18 million copies sold, but also one of the deepest and most complex should you dig a little deeper beyond the simplicity which lies upon the surface. With that in mind, we'll pick away at our experiences and shovel information into your blockheads. Joining me, Darren Gargett, on this issue, James Carter. You said Minecraft. I thought it was Minecamp we were here for. Oh, mate. Darren Foreman. Hello, humans. Hello, human. And Richard, Mr. Ting, Underwood's special guest, Machinima partner, no pressure. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Podcast debut, huh? Yeah, a little bit nervous, but mm. I'm sure you guys will look after me. I'm, I'm nervous for you, man. I'm shaking. <laughs> I'm trembling. So Minecraft then, it's uh, it's an absolute behemoth of a game. It is obviously developed by, everyone knows, Mr. Notch, Marcus Pearson. And um, he developed it in his spare time when he was um, he was working somewhere else, I do believe. And he, he had to leave that job. And he said, look, Minecraft's going out of control. And if you watch the Minecraft documentary, which we're going to talk about in a, after our brief histories with the game, you'll see just how much... It consumed him, and therefore his, you know, his whole life and his fiance and stuff, like that, and it spiraled out of control. Um, so, with that in mind, how has Minecraft consumed you, Richard Underwood? So, a lot of people got Minecraft when it first came out, like the alpha and the beta days and stuff. I didn't actually pick it up until it went to the the full 1.0 release. Mm-hmm. Um, I played like Terraria and a lot of the Minecraft spin-off games on the Xbox and stuff, but hadn't actually played Minecraft itself. Um, once I started playing it and realised that the only limit for the game is your own imagination and that it's 
it's kind of PvP, PvE, or just a building game. It's it's so many different games that you just can't stop playing it because whatever mood you're in, you can play Minecraft. I think that's the first thing I spotted about it. And then once I realised, as you get better at the game, you become a better builder, and you you realise that you don't you're not limited to squares just because everything in the game is a square. You really you come out of your shell a lot when you play it. And uh, I've spent a lot of hours. I've played it more than any other game in the world, and I've possibly over a thousand hours, I think now. Mm, good stuff. And and uh, yeah, James Carter. Right, uh, yeah, like uh, like Rich, I kind of came to this a bit late after it had gone full release. Um, it's a game I'd heard a lot about, but based on the fact that I have no imagination, it was literally just removed when I was a small child. Um, so I didn't really imagine I'd get on with Minecraft that well in the same way that I picked up little little big planet and didn't really get that much from it um so I, I was kind of reluctant and I heard all this buzz about it but never really got inspired to pick it up um until a friend of mine and uh, interviewee on uh Kanan Rince uh CY Reed uh bought a copy for me last summer just mm. as a gift to say here you go uh let this consume your life and it did for about three weeks last summer uh, i just literally got up in the morning fa- sorry i should say i was a teacher at the time so summer holidays and all that um literally got up in the morning uh fired it up and just sat on there just literally doing whatever took my fancy either single player or on a server with a couple of people um for eight hours a day uh mm-hmm. for about three weeks easily uh Great. so just yeah played through it like that and then as with all these things i realize it's getting kind of dangerously out of control and decide i'll cold turkey and haven't actually Mm. played it since pretty much i don't think Uh, aside from just hopping into survival mode and having a little run around uh yesterday just to refresh myself so you weren't one of the cool teachers who introduced it as a lesson into uh, oh we'll get to that later oh okay oh i'm (laughs) excited um and mr foreman histories of the game please well, as such an ahead-of-the-curve elitist bastard, I did actually jump on the beta version when it was nice and cheap. Mm. So I got to see it uh, kind of evolving from its base concept and throwing in all the all the new ideas throughout its uh, development. And the last time I played the PC version was just after they had started introducing the octopus. You know, those little horrible black things that kind of swim through the water like octopuses do. Oh, yeah. And the minute I seen them, I says, those things are bloody disgusting, you know? <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I mean, I had some fun with it uh, up to that point, you know. Like, I loved the fact that they had a nice little winter wonderland. And being me, I decided to uh, make this great massive uh, underground, well, underwater base yeah. with uh, gl- glass uh, glass surfaces to look out at. <laughs> and then I broke on the panels and it got flooded. And, uh, yeah, I mean, after that, like, I actually won the 360 version on a competition from Raptor, you mm, know, they too. were giving away copies. Mm. Um, I don't think that's entirely uncommon. They had quite a lot of these to give away. And uh, so, so I have seen like the the more recent builds of it, and yeah, I mean, I had a lot of fun with it, but at no point did I ever actually get addicted to it, you know. Like I never actually started going into servers or anything like that. But I do kind of recognise the fact that you could easily get sucked in and never come back. Oh, gotcha. Hmm. So yeah, with me, I I did buy it in alpha. I heard it on Giant Bombcast and um, uh, maybe Games with Jobs at the time. It was a long time ago, and they were talking about this game that you know. It was kind of a breakthrough because it was one of the first games, to my recollection, that were, were charging for an unreleased product. And they bring us up in the Minecraft documentary like, oh, is it okay to sell a game that's in alpha state and you build it as 
you know, they're, they're making it as we're playing it. Is, is that an okay thing to do? And I think, you know, in retrospect, it was it's a genius thing to do because now they're all doing it. It's even a, an actual thing on Steam with early access. So it's kind of, um, it's kind of in my recollection, it was kind of one of the first games to, you know, pave that road for, for games development, uh, indie game development more specifically. And then I dicked around a bit for a bit and I just thought, yeah, why? What's going on? I don't, I don't really know. Like, you know, it, it looks good and all that, but this was all before the adventure update came out and, uh, I never went back to it until the adventure update and I jumped online with a few people and again it never really grabbed me and then like you Darren I grabbed the uh, I won the Xbox 360 version which you know has split screen and all these other wicked features for, for my style of gameplay and um, I ended up getting hooked on that for a good sort of like 20-30 hours which is a drop in the ocean compared to like someone like Rich which has done you know countless YouTube videos and many more hours uh, but yeah I, I did really really get involved with the Xbox 360 version mainly because it was um it was it was split screen I think that's a big pull so yeah uh two player productions released a a documentary called um I keep calling it the Minecraft documentary but it's not it's called uh, the story of Mojang and it focuses you know from it quite early on in the development I think it was pre-alpha that you know they started filming and you see Notch working behind his desk and it slowly sort of snowballs into a product beyond his, you know, what what he, on his wildest dreams, he never thought it would be this big of a project, even in alpha phase. Tell me something. When they were uh, recording back then, was it all like sepia tones and like back in the day kind of old school documentary? <laughs> and it was like, here's not and it was all sort of t- old timey what? No, it wasn't. God damn it! <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> Sorry, mate. But yeah, he, um, Notch had made other games as uh, as listed in the documentary by Metagun, Breaking the Tower, and uh, many more. I think the 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 last one on the list of games that they um they showed it looked very Minecraft esque. It's kind of like blocky first person shooter um or like a maze game or something like that. And it, it kind of reminded me of Minecraft more than any other of his other previous titles because they're sort of isometric. Again, though, kind of like it looked, one of them looked like Populous, which you know if you were to put the camera down behind the look of the guy in the map it would sort of resemble minecraft so he sort he sort of always had this idea of minecraft floating around um and it's very interesting i'm not going to dwell on this too much because i don't think anyone else has seen it anyone else seen it no not i haven't no, I've, i haven't watched it no. okay um but i just want to touch on a few uh topics like re- very briefly because you know no one else has seen it and uh well, one of them that stood out to me was uh School lessons, which we mentioned earlier, James, that you said um, mm. you know you were going to talk about it, and uh, this is the time. But uh, before we do that, uh, there was one school they focused on. I think it was the first the first guy to introduce Minecraft as a as a um, as a lesson. He's called Joel Joel Levin or Levine, um, aka the Minecraft teacher. as a, an original title, and um, yeah, it, it's just crazy. Like the sheer enthusiasm from these kids when it was time to do the computing class. I, d- I don't know if anyone else remembers Mavis Beacon teachers typing, but that's about as fun as it got for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think I've still got a copy kicking around somewhere. I used to play shit like Boffin on the piece and uh, B- BBC Micro at, uh, when I was in primary school. Boffin? That's about as hard as it went. <laughs> hmm. I seem to remember lots of games in primary school on the BBC Micro that revolved around frogs in some way or another. Generally, generally you would be typing in little commands to see if you could get it to do things, you know? Yeah. Okay. Pod can explode, and then you'll blow up on the screen, which I always uh, found amusing. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, like I say, the, the the enthusiasm these kids have for, for, you know, the game, because it's a video game and not uh, a boring textbook or a graph book or something like that, it, was, it just shines through, and you can see 
from the lessons that he was giving, they were always engaged and interested. Like one lesson, he'd give a lesson in farming, which I'd never even comprehended as a six-year-old to learn about farming. But it was all done in game and how to efficiently farm your crops and stuff like that. And um, there was one that really stood out, which I think was it could have been great as a as a kid if we had that kind of technology back in the day. Was um, they had like obviously like loads of computers all set up to play Minecraft, and they'd be they'd be split off into separate groups uh, of like four or five or whatever. And they're told to make a house out of, you know, like set materials within the level, within the world. And then they're all compare their houses. And, you know, it's just a great way to get team building and socializing with other kids and, you know, interactive and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's such a great idea. Um, mm-hmm. Quite why it hasn't taken off. Uh, maybe we can get some light on this from you, James. But um, yeah. quite why it hasn't taken off into a proper, not a proper lesson, but, you know, something more than just staring at a chalkboard is, uh, is beyond me, really. I think it's a, it's a great idea. Uh, yeah, well, um, f- for my part, I kind of already, well, so a a lot of instances I heard of were from very early days where people were introducing Minecraft to kids, but by the time I was teaching any kids, probably about 50% of the class had played Minecraft significantly and everyone in the class knew what Minecraft was, and several of them were hooked on it and wanted to do nothing but talk about Minecraft, (laughs) which is the the remarkable thing. I, I still think of it as quite a is a game that's likely to inspire adults and young kids, but in teenage years, probably not so much. But actually, it, it that wasn't really the case. When I was speaking to kids about it, it was kids from all years, really. It was only the way too cool kids in like GCSE sort of age that maybe it was because their little brother or little sister was playing it. It was it wasn't for them. But, um, but no, for the most part, it was all sorts of kids who'd played this or seen this. So when I introduced it into a lesson I did, uh, yeah, I did what you mentioned there. I split the kids up into teams of five. It was a class of 20, so four teams. Mm. Um, booked the computer lab out and set up a server for each of them. Um, so they all had their own worlds where they couldn't interfere with one another's teams. But in the group of five, they were in the same world. Um, and just gave them like targets and gave them 10 minutes to succeed at it. Mm. So the the first one was just find a particular type of rock which was really easy but obviously um by the time you get down to them finding bedrock that's not necessarily all that difficult but it it could be time consuming Mm -hmm. and so that's about working out the fastest way to do it as a team um and realizing that if they if they need to um you could set stipulations on it like okay you've got to find bedrock but other people have got to be able to you know you've got to have all your team down there so you can't just burrow down in a straight line till you hit bedrock because then you know anyone tries to get down there they're going to fall and die so Mm -hmm. um you've got to sort of build a staircase down to it that kind of thing so it becomes about teamwork i think the reason it might not have taken off in terms of its ubiquity is that that was quite a tough lesson to set up Mm. um just in terms of getting minecraft onto the computers which means you've got to go to your it department make sure they can all access it um, and then setting up five servers for them to access, making sure all the kids get the passwords they need, etc. Yeah. Um, so it's quite intensive. And ultimately, when push comes to shove, a lesson like that may be great for teaching kids teamwork or resource gathering or um, problem solving. But they're all very general skills. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the curriculum, certainly in this country, the curriculum's way too focused. And if you can't show that the kids have learned something that they didn't know at the beginning of the lesson and that tends to be something very specific, then it's not it's not a lesson that, you know, your head of department or your head teacher or 
um, someone coming in from outside to assess you is going to necessarily think is a fantastic lesson, despite the fact that I would certainly say, and I, I guess you would agree from what you've seen in the documentary, it's actually a really useful way of teaching kids about things that are actually important in life rather than crap that happens to be in the curriculum because, you know, some politician happens to think it should be. Mm. And no, I'm not bitter about teaching. But um, <laughs> so I think I think the the important thing to say is that it's fantastic for kids being excited about doing this and it makes for a great instructional tool in terms of kind of teamwork and problem solving. But I was reluctant to get too specific, like start having them build contractions or start looking into the way that you can build, you know, programming uh, operation units and that kind of thing and circuit boards essentially in it because that's kind of just too complex to get out of a single lesson um, without a lot of prior knowledge. And what you want is something that everyone can start off getting something from. So even someone who hadn't played Minecraft could quite quickly work out, okay, hit stuff, you know, and, and it breaks apart and, and that kind of thing. They can quickly get something out of it even if they've never played the game before. So you need to keep it quite surface level in general in the hope that those who do know the game a bit better can get something more out of it in different ways. So, But no, it's certainly really useful. It's really interesting, I think. Yeah, I mean, I have to admit that I was personally quite disappointed when I was younger that they weren't doing the same thing with Doom. <laughs> you know? Basically, find all, the, find all the secrets and then beat Pinky to death with your fists. <laughs> Some of us are doing that via the secret land network. Lunch times in the, in the IT room or, or in lessons if you could get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, one thing that also I was quite impressed with was how the game wasn't really criticised visually. Um, you know, on but when you look at Minecraft uh, on a surface level, pun, uh, you sort of see that it's it's very blocky because you know it is a game about laying blocks in a in a Lego style. Um, but also it's very pixelated, and the kids never seem to criticise it, even though we're in like 2013, 2012, or whatever the the documentary year was uh, shot. And it was never like a, it was never an actual problem with anyone, uh, even the parents who, who were confused by Minecraft and how or why it was a, a, a lesson in school. They sort of went, oh, okay, it kind of looks like the games from old and it looks quite pixelated. And, you know, one of the yeah. ladies said that and I was like, oh, for someone who doesn't know about games, they sort of know the lingo. And it obviously reminded them of maybe a, a previous era of their life. Yeah, I mean, I mean, part of the problem that, well, it's not part of the problem, but part of the reason for that is that you know, the, the closer that you get to reality, the the more the blemishes kind of stand out, you know, like yeah, the fact the that the eyes aren't moving. Yeah. yeah, exactly, Uncanny Valley kind of stuff. And Minecraft is so far removed from reality that it's just seen as a stylistic choice, you know? Yeah. So, basically, if anyone was complaining about the game, they would simply, the look of the game, they would simply be missing the point for the most part. Yeah, yeah. I think what we forget is that kids, certainly anyone our age and younger, grow up with cartoons that don't look terribly realistic. They are incredibly stylized and they may look very high fidelity but they are separate to reality and so that that's a part of imagination that doesn't phase kids particularly but also when you talk to parents um, their memories of games are stuff like Super Mario and that's never looked realistic that's always been stylized so therefore seeing this game and knowing a word like pixelated probably comes from uh, kind of digital cameras and that sort of thing rather than necessarily video games but seeing that doesn't phase someone and it certainly doesn't phase anyone who sits down and plays it because it doesn't matter as long as the mechan it works mechanically and Minecraft works almost impeccably mechanically really for what it's trying to do um, the way it looks doesn't that fades you know it, I, yeah I never see that as a, as a problem I think if you're reaching for something and don't 
don't attain it, then that that can look odd. But in in this case, the the aesthetic that is being reached for is something that gives the impression of a world and allows you to interact with the game without getting in the way. And that's does it. And it's got a lot of character with it as mm, well. I think. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, uh, I don't want to. You know, the, the documentary carries on with you know them releasing the game uh, at Minecon. That they, they, I think they actually like pulled a massive switch that was in Minecraft style, and you know the game was released. And you know that was all very interesting to watch. And I, you know, it's it's definitely worth watching if you're not even a fan of Minecraft, but just a fan of indie games, uh, which I definitely am. And it's it's quite an interesting insight into how like you know he was managing people and la da 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 da, and he doesn't want to make the team too big because then it becomes mm. a silly thing. But uh, interesting comments from people like Peter Molyneux and stuff. And it's quite I think this documentary was shot, or that was definitely shot when he was still at Lionhead. And mm. the stuff he was saying it sort of links into where he's at now. Like I think he's yeah. he, he's he's took a lot from Minecraft. It's has, made an impression on him. Yeah. Mm, yeah, and he's even said like it's changed my life. Like. And I think he was trying to subtly say, like, in this documentary that, you know, I'm going to fuck off soon, do you know what I mean? Because, you know, the, the big game development isn't doing it for me anymore. And yeah. hopefully he can pull something out, not as groundbreaking as Minecraft, because I don't think we're going to get another one of them for a little while, but something, you know, mm. at least uh, inspired by Minecraft. Interesting, yeah, in a different way. Quick question about the documentary. Um, mm. You were saying that at the beginning, it's sort of like the, the beginnings of Minecraft and how Notch didn't really know it was going to be a success. Mm-hmm. But... So was this doc? Was that part of the documentary filmed in retrospect, or was it filmed at the time? Because I know two-player productions have a habit of of sticking with the production team throughout and filming. Mm, yeah, it, it, the way it was shot, I don't, I don't, can't see them actually like retroactively filming bits or something. Yeah, but it, it definitely seemed to of the moment. Yeah, it like he didn't have his Mojang Studios when they started filming, and he, right. they're actually filming bits where they're moving desks in and sliding them all together and stuff. And you know, he hires yeah. his first mate. Um, I can't remember his name now. It's, uh, but yeah, the first person to help out yeah. in the game and start yeah. building. Because the, the thing that strikes like that. me is, what if 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 Notch didn't realise what the success it was going to be? He thought it was something interesting for himself, I'm sure. But what prompted two player productions to start filming him then? That's weird. Like, yeah, exactly. Because I, I think it must have been just a, a word of mouth thing, like just taking yeah, a, sh- a, a risk, taking a gamble on it. It's, yeah, it all seems terribly. You know, it, imagine if, with a documentary. Either if it's super successful or it's a massive, you know, um, failure. Either way, you're going to get a, a very interesting yeah. um, documentary yeah, out sure. of it. So they just took a shot at that. Yeah, it's just that I imagine these documentary crews pitching up at any game developer and just starting to film them, and then when it starts going nowhere, they just piss it off one day, and you realise <laughs> that your entire life's a waste of time because not even a documentary crew wants to film you anymore. Um, but yeah, I just wonder how someone like Two Player Productions gets to hear about that and figures that he, that Notch is, is you know, documentary worthy before the game's really proven itself. Mm, yeah, it's Interesting. I'd, I'd love to know their thoughts behind that. But anyway, mm, definitely. But yeah, so you can check that out uh, if you just Google two-player productions or, I don't know, I haven't even got any links handy, I'm afraid. Sorry about that. Me Minecraft being... documentary, I'm sure will get you there. Yeah, something like that. It's me being terribly unorganised. Uh, but we're going to move on to the game, uh, which I wanted to talk about the school stuff first and the documentary first, because pretty mm. much everyone knows what Minecraft is. Uh, but we're going to summarise briefly w- what the game is in a nutshell. Um, but you know, t- talking about the single player experience because that's where the core of the game is. You know, when you're playing on your own, that's like the raw essence of the game. You know, you're you're doing the things. Uh, Rich, do you want to explain to us how the game unfolds from the very beginning? I think it changes. Minecraft, uh, it's like a rolling updates. Every so often they release a little patch fix for for some bugs and stuff. But every so often they release a big update and. In the early days, I think it started off, as soon as you spawn, the first thing you do is look for coal. And once you've got some coal, 
then you'd run off and look for sheep so that you can make a bed and sort of reset your spawn and things. With the newer updates and stuff for Minecraft, it's that's becoming less necessary now because there's other ways to get coal. You don't actually have to go and find some. You can make your own out of some logs or something. And I think like the early days of the game, a lot of people will kind of punch a tree and make themselves a complete set of wooden tools. Mm. And then you need to go and get cobblestone. Stone is the next sort of rung on the ladder, if you like. And then they'll make a complete set of stone tools. And then they've got this complete set of wooden ones they've never used. Mm. And kind of throw those in a chest and keep them forever. Um, whereas in an update, they made it now where you can actually use your wooden tools to cook food and stuff. So, okay. so you can actually use them as a fuel and burn them off. Um, mm. You've basically, you've got 12 minutes of day and then it gets dark um, from when you first spawn. So you've got to sort of move your feet a little bit when you first sort of spawn in and start oh, yeah, your, your fresh world. You, the pressure to get shelter and food before the, the night comes and when it gets dark, that's when the mobs can spawn. Mm -hmm. um, the, the kind of pressure that you put on yourself in a single player environment is, is quite intense, actually, because it's there's so much in the game now. Um, not just sort of valuable blocks, but other items like like NPC villages and things like that. Um, you there's almost too much wealth. There's too much good stuff, and you those those twelve minutes of the first day are, are so important, especially if you don't find any sheep to reset your spawn. If you run, you decide to go five hundred blocks north, <laughs> and then die in the first night. You will spawn back where you first started lo you know losing everything unless you know exactly where you were and then you've only got a set amount of time to get back to where you died it, it, i like the fact that they that mobs only come at the night time and they're not there during the day all the time <clears throat> yeah. i think yeah. you know they they'll only spawn in certain light levels is how it works so <laughs> although there's none on the surface during the day in the caves that's where they will all spawn so you get a huge number underground <laughs> Um, whereas at night it spreads them under and over. Yeah, it's quite interesting you say about um, you know mo monsters spawning underground because when on the thing they say about Minecraft is you, you'll never forget your first night. And um, for me, definitely, I don't, I don't, no, I do remember my first night. I remember digging away like you know you're running around the daytime. You're like, oh okay, there's the big blocky sun. It's moving its way over to the side. And then you realise that the sun is going down, and you're like, well, this is quite interesting. And then you hear those noises, yeah. and like for a game that's so unrealistic looking you know it's so blocky and you know it evokes 8-bit and stuff like that for a game that looks like that to make me so scared just because it goes you're like what the fuck is that what is that i don't know what that is and you're really scared you'll see like a cave just in the corner of a cliff face and you look in there and you're thinking i'm definitely not going in there like i've never been so scared by a video game in, a, in ages that that much because it's such a contrast to how it looks and how it sounds and how it feels like when you when you start going underground just a little bit then you you hear like the arrows ping around you, and you're like, "Well, what the hell's going on?" And then a skeleton comes up behind you, and there's a there's a great uh, little segment in the documentary where you know kids are playing it and absolutely cacking themselves because these things are, <laughs> are, are scaring them. Because when you're digging during the day, you're not trained to think of you know monsters in the daytime, but then it catches you off guard when you're digging like for, for the nighttime and completely scares you. I don't remember it in a startling clear detail, but uh, I do remember that I just made a massive tower that kind of reached the sky, and then I got shot with arrows. <laughs> so, uh, by who? Uh, by skeletons. They were fucking hanging around the base of the tower and they just kind of shot upwards and uh, got me in the face. <laughs> but uh, the second out was just making up basically a block. You know, it was big enough to actually have me in. 
stuck a little block on top of the house, and uh, that was it. Yeah. No door, nothing, you know. Yeah. But it was enough to keep them out of my face and keep me alive, so that kind of did it. But then I just went back and kind of finished up my little tower and uh, stopped digging my underwater base at that point. So that was pretty much my first, uh, I'd say, a week or so at the game before I decided to go exploring. Mm. So, so you went from zero to evil mastermind with an underwater <laughs> layer in, in literally three days then? You basically got to start fast, you know. Those shits won't wait around for you. <laughs> I remember um, starting and sort of wandering around, just exploring for twelve minutes, and then dying, um, and and then thinking, well, what am I supposed to do? Because and that's the thing that I think is worth saying. Most people are going to start playing single player, just because even if it's a friend who's recommended it, chances are first thing you're going to do is is just go on and try it yourself. Um, and you've no idea what's what's going on, what to do. Um, sure, you you can work out the controls and work out that you can punch stuff and break it down, but okay, you get a little cube of wood in your uh, in in your inventory, but you've no idea what to do with it really, um, and no idea how how things work. Um, so I I found that I died, and so I immediately started looking for on Twitter and and just googling how to survive and. The, the number of just sort of quick 10-minute videos on the basics of how to get started in Minecraft uh, are, are quite astounding. And sure enough, there's someone there who's just got a 10-minute video saying, this is the first 10 minutes of Minecraft, do this. Um, and so you, you've got to make sure you get yourself uh, some woods, you've got to make sure you bury yourself out a little cave um, that you can seal up and get some light in there, and that's it. And you don't worry about doors on it or anything fancy like that. You just brick yourself in with dirt, basically. Um, and it, yeah, it has that real sort of survival feel to it. You know, like, what would you do if you were trapped in the middle of nowhere at night and, and you needed to be somewhere safe and warm and, you know, get the basics? And it really impresses that upon you. I think the thing it does interestingly with the um, with regards to being scary is it doesn't matter that it doesn't have the highest fidelity graphics. It doesn't matter that it doesn't have fast-moving enemies that are going to tear you apart or anything like that. It just hits the sort of core tenets, which are you need to be vulnerable, the noises need to actually be unnerving and frighten you, and there needs to be an uncertainty about going certain places and facing certain things. Does it? You've got to be able to see your intestines when you die. That's <laughs> <laughs> essential. The weird thing about this is, although, as we said, it's not the most realistic-looking game in the world, hmm. it does have all the elements for a very in involved in that insert kind of game, you know? Yeah. Because it... That survival element, you know, it's got the date-night cycle, which I love, mm -hmm. and it's you're just so dependent on your environment to, to yeah. keep yourself alive. And uh, the monsters, they don't like you a great deal, you know? No, <laughs> definitely not. So... Especially creepers. Fuck those guys. <laughs> Aw, hug a creeper, man. What's the matter with you? So, Mr. Ting, aka Richard Underwood, do you remember your first, uh, your first eve on Minecraft, or were you always uh, a walking bible of stats and knowledge? No, well, sort of. Um, I, like I say, I, I came into Minecraft a little bit later than, than people that got it early days, and I actually bought the game because of watching it on YouTube. So mm. I watched people like uh, Paul Sores Jr. and the Minecraft Network, uh, the Yogscast, people like that, and I just really enjoy their videos in general. They, they suddenly start playing this game Minecraft, and uh, I, I watched it for a, a little while, and really got into it and that's why I bought it so the first time I clicked single player and you know survival mode launch and just a random seed I, I knew that I had to punch a tree and I knew that I how to make a pick and the recipes for a craft invention I already kind of knew that from watching videos so it was a little bit different for me I, 
I kind of knew that I wanted to build a house straight away. So um, I just, as soon as it got dark, I, I made a little hole and put a torch on the wall and I just gathered cobblestone for the entire night, <laughs> just in my little hole. And in the morning I went outside and built a house with it, you know, and it was per perfectly square and all made of cobble, cobble roof, cobble floor, cobble walls. <laughs> You know. You're all about the cobble. Yeah, I imagine uh, this game has a tipping point very much in the same vein as uh, as Fez and Dark Souls and stuff, where it's all about the knowledge, like, you know, yeah. Fez, the, the puzzle solutions, Dark Souls, knowing the enemy types and how they react to you and stuff like that. And then Minecraft, how to survive and how to, you know, do, deal with all the intricate stuff, which we're not really going to do on this show because, you know, we'll be here all night. And if you want to... um listen to podcasts on Minecraft, there are loads out there. Um, the, the one in the documentary that is called The Shaft. Uh, yeah, brilliant good one brilliant or not. Yeah, brilliant they are. Absolutely brilliant podcast. Um, yeah, so if you want to listen to more about the details and the nitty gritty of Minecraft, there's, you know, there's a wealth of information and we're not going to be the Minecraft Bible, even though we have Minecraft Jesus in the corner. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, is it is Minecraft on its own like, as a player... When you're on your own, is it a worthy experience? Um, is it is it worth playing, or is the game focused mainly for multiplayer? I mean, personally for me, I loved just nobbing around my own little world that that people can join in if they wanted to. Um, but I think that was to do with the 360 version, where I could let people into my single player world if I wanted to. Does the PC mm. version have that, or is it literally one or the other? It's actually in a recent patch. You can uh, build a single player world. Mm -hmm. And you can make it available for LAN. So if you're on a network uh, right. it, using a program like Hamachi or something like that, or in the same room, um, someone brings a laptop to a friend's house, which is what we do quite a lot with the LANs we do, yeah. um, my friend will just boot up one of his single-player worlds, open it up for LAN. We go to multiplayer, and at the bottom it says scanning for LAN worlds, and eventually it will just pop up, there's the world, jump in it and play. Yeah. That's, that's why we got you here, man. you got the yeah. knowledge. Well, that, that's, I guess, that's the substitute for split screen uh, and yeah, 360 exactly. version. And where... that, that version was launched when the 360 version came out. The next update, yeah. they put the LAN ability in there nice. yeah. um, cool. to match that. Mm. So, yeah, where people spend most of their time, uh, you know, a wealth of their experience is definitely with the multiplayer because, you know, it's a great game on its own. Uh, definitely in my experience but when you add other people into the mix and you can you know have a laugh stick around with your friends and stuff like that it definitely becomes well the fact that it ends in the name craft it, it just reminds me of like starcraft and warcraft like those games especially world of warcraft where you just put millions of hours into and when you leave you think well what have, what have i done with myself i think minecraft's got a similar hook a, a similar feeling like a, you know where you'll spend thousands of hours over the course of a year and just not really no, you've done it. Uh, I've definitely sat down some evenings and just lost the whole night in in actual Earth time. I think the difference there is, um, strangely, that in something like World of Warcraft, you can point at your character and it will be a high-level character with all this cool stuff, mm -hmm. you know, uh, great mount, great armor, everything like that. And people within the game will look at you and think, wow, that's cool. That was worth the yeah, was. three years' worth of your time or whatever. Yeah. Whereas in Minecraft what you'll produce, and especially in multiplayer where you get a group of people together on a project to build something, even if it doesn't start out as really well-defined, it just grows. You can show anyone that on a screen. Like some of the stuff in the um, the the Kane Rin server on the, the YouTube video that, that is up, um, just like bridges and fire towers and all sorts of crap and castles you can point anyone to that and say we crafted that and yeah okay it's not in it's not a castle in the real world but they have a sense because it relates so directly to building a castle you know you literally put blocks together and build it 
it's a bit like making a, a Lego model or something like, like that, maybe, mm. where you can say that's something I crafted. And literally, it wasn't just I wished it into existence. You actually put some thought into how you put it together, and that's the craft side of it. Mm. And someone who looks at it can appreciate that for the same way they would appreciate you putting together a great Lego model of a, a X-Wing or something like that. They can appreciate the the craft in that, and and the fact that you took the time and put the effort in to to do it. So, you it almost feels like you have something tangible to show for your efforts. I know it's daft because it's just it, it's a digital world and it doesn't really make that much difference. But in in a way, it it feels to me somehow different from some you know other games where you might just sink loads of time into mm. like Dark Souls. I can put up a video of me having done a Soul Level One run, but ultimately for the 300 hours or so I've spent of my life playing it now, I've got stuff that is impressive to people who know Dark Souls that I've done, maybe, in some way, or at least they can respect. But outside of that, there's nothing really that I can point to. I think Minecraft has something that is what draws in mm. kids who don't necessarily play video games otherwise. Or, you know, a parent can look at that, and, and as you said in the documentary, they were interviewing parents who could see its worth, even mm. though they don't play games and, and that kind of thing. So, Yeah, so speaking of um, creating stuff and, you know, building stuff that you're proud of, there was one guy in the documentary called Joshua Halkin, that's his uh, username, or the alias, Walker. And he he's, he's, a, he's an engineer of sorts, so that was his job. And in his spare time, he liked to make one-for-one scale rep- uh, recreations of things like the Enterprise from Star Trek and uh, hundreds of other things. And uh, it's like the thing you just said where your Dark Souls are... Uh, you know, Soul Level 1 run now, you know, people who knew Minecraft were like, oh my god, that's amazing, but the amount yeah. of comments on his YouTube channel, which is a major part of why Minecraft is so successful at YouTube, is he was just getting berated and abused by all these people, and that's just, you know, that that's the internet for you, you can't really stop that. So, yeah. um, but yeah, the, the, these one-for-one re- uh, replications of, of, you know, fictional uh, vehicles and all that, it, it was mightily impressive, but yeah. uh, anyone else done any weird stuff like my, my creativity for building stuff isn't that great i can't really sit down and go i, I built an n64 once and i just thought well that's very typical of me because i'm a bit of an n64 knobhead <laughs> um yeah. but has anyone else uh, we, we got mr foreman in the corner there uh, making his underground base so did you make a submarine to go with it, foreman or was it just the base no but i did set the entire place on fire despite being underwater so that was kind of an achievement <laughs> that's impressive good job but no, I mean, just apart from that, I never actually made anything too amazing. Generally, it was just kind of standard castles kind of job, you know, mm. get a, a little uh, uh, railway line running between various points. But certainly nothing on the scale of the Enterprise or anything like that, you know. Oh, you got to see it. Like, it totally slows... Uh, for that version of Minecraft, it totally slows it down to, like, 10 frames a second or something, but <laughs> it's a sight to behold. So you, you didn't do the old, you know, inevitable, I've got a thing on the internet that can create stuff. You didn't make a penis, did you? No, I mean, the creepers basically look like those anyway, so... <laughs> they do. Explosive penises, they do indeed. Most uh, phallic anime in recent memory. <laughs> <laughs> and they explode all over you. Uh, Rich, um, what have you made any wacky stuff, crazy stuff that's worth uh, mentioning? Or because you're, like, you know, methodical and systematic, is it all about the digging and mining for you? Or? Um, well, no, I, I do do some building and creative and stuff. I think what what people build in minecraft it's like a subconscious representation of themselves for instance <laughs> i'm very much into i see minecraft i think it's because you use swords and bows and arrows and you wear armor i see it as that kind of you know like skyrim almost so i will always build like stone and wooden small houses and, and old ruined castles and 
you know, gravel footpaths going through the woods and stuff. Mm. To, and I try and make it sort of fit how the game is. Whereas someone like um, Guy from our server, as soon as he came on, he built a bloody great 50-foot killer whale just jumping out of the ocean, you know? <laughs> and that was the first thing he built. And and himself and, and Tom, Fum, um, went down the road and built this huge tree house in the middle of a jungle. And I think it, it people build what they perceive the game to be and then show it to their friends. And it's the whole... You borrow a piece of somebody's build and a bit of their idea and a bit of somebody else's and you put it all together to create this kind of style that is your own, I think, once you once you start sort of building. But no, I don't really build the wacky stuff. I built some kind of traps and stuff out of redstone and, and things like that. But yeah, I don't really I don't really go for the I like my my builds to look almost as real as I can make them look. It's difficult because it's like eight everything's in eight bit and or one meter by one meter cubes it's quite difficult to do but that's what i see the challenge of the game is to make something look almost out of place in the minecraft world hmm so um you know after creating all these monstrosities or, or monuments depending on how good you are has anyone been a victim of uh, of griefing i know there's um <laughs> there's a guy who sort of griefed himself in a video it's quite uh, ubiquitous on the internet where he walks in and he's like he's showing you his wooden house and he puts a bit of fire into a little fireplace and the fire obviously spreads and burns his house down that that's not really griefing because it's not people coming in and attacking a server while you're not there but that's quite a, a good idea of how other people may destroy your stuff has anyone been a victim of griefing i know the oh. minecraft server definitely got hit uh the cana rinse minecraft server we have definitely got hit a little while ago it did um but yeah um which luckily restored because we got backups and stuff like that. Well done. But uh, anyone else had like uh, any moments of just like, what has happened here? Like, where's my I've stuff gone? I've never done that or had it happen, but I do remember hearing a story about this. Uh, it was sort of like a false uh, religious cult that would demand tribute, you know, that they had to go to like uh, mass every Sunday or whatever. And uh, basically, they, some of the people that were in there that got banned for just uh, not doing it kind of went to these griefers and told them uh, what was happening. And it just kind of escalated into this really weird kind of stealth invasion where they were like, uh, underneath the surface where uh, the, the moderators weren't. They sort of made this uh, basically hell version, you know. It was like this weird uh, satanic kind of, like inverse kind of version of the above world. Mm. And just they waited until the guy appeared and then set everything in motion and it just became this hellish uh, landscape overnight, you know. <laughs> it, so, it, I don't have the details, so I can't really go into too much mm. story about it. But it just sounds like a kind of uh, cool and horrible thing to do, you know. Mm. How does that work? Because as far as I understood, you set up a server. It's got a password. You or you you whitelist and have to register people as they come in. How do people get onto servers they shouldn't be on? Or is it just a case of having an open server and someone hops on? Should I? Do you want me to explain what yeah, happened yeah, with absolutely. our? So what happened was uh, an update for Minecraft was released. Hmm. Uh, the the people that I rent the server from uh, sent me an email saying that the new update is available for Minecraft. So I do what I usually do: um, up, upgrade the server to the latest yeah. version, put it out on Twitter. You know, the the Minecraft server's been updated. Everybody, feel free to update your Minecraft. Um, for for some reason, and I'm not sure which update it was. It's there's config files and stuff, and use hmm. FTP. Um, the config for the whitelist had reset itself to false right. so that there was yeah, no yeah, so whitelist. Yeah. So the whitelist file had everyone's name in it. So I just considered everything was working fine and, and carry on. 
like I'd done five times previously, but it it had switched it from from false to true. Yeah. Uh, so it it basically it reverted out, and uh, yeah, someone cracked on and got on there and smashed everything up. So, <laughs> but we got back we got backups and stuff. So that's the main thing. I think a couple of guys lost uh, maybe a night or two's building and stuff, and I've apologised to them. So. Yeah, but I mean that sounds like it's a screw up on Mojang's part. About you know more than anything, if they're releasing an update that doesn't reflect uh, system preferences essentially, which is what it is. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a bit unfortunate. So yeah, the, the the griefing that happens on servers, you know, but while we're not a massive victim of it really in the grand scheme of things, it definitely fuels people's YouTube channels and stuff, which mm-hmm. um. You know, which obviously get hits and then people make money for that and stuff like that. La, da, da, da. But uh, yeah, the, the YouTube community on this game was probably the first that I've really thought of games in video form, you know, on a on a daily basis. Like, oh, I have a Minecraft video. And I haven't watched many. I know some of us have. Uh, but is is Minecraft success due to YouTube or would Minecraft be as successful? Because in the documentary, they specify that Mojang had zero PR for for Minecraft, there was no advertising, no marketing. It was all word of mouth. So obviously, the YouTube community was crucial to the game's success. But what, is it like 100% down to YouTube videos, or I think pretty much, in all honesty. And the reason yeah. I say that is um, nowadays, you know, like uh, game facts and and online text file uh, walkthroughs tended to be the way that if you were ever stuck in a game, didn't know what to do. You'd go on there, look for a walkthrough, skip to the bit you were at, stuck at, and get the answer of what you needed to do next. And I can't remember the last time I actually used one of those seriously, because ultimately there's YouTube videos showing how to do something. And like I said, for most, I would imagine, certainly my experience when I first started with Minecraft was I knew what the game was about and I knew what to expect, but I didn't know what to do. And so YouTube was where I went for that. And I think being able to show people here's what you need to do or here's cool things I've done in the game and give them ideas. That's what fuels it. And I don't see that that happens if, if you go to, I mean, sure there's recipe lists out there and that kind of thing, but if you have to, even with HTML, you know, putting pictures in and stuff like that, I don't see that the game takes off in that way, unless you can literally show someone a video of you walking around a one-to-one model of the enterprise. You know, it doesn't work as pictures on a, a website without it, you know, with a story telling it or a text file explaining it, it you kind of have to show people that, and I think yeah. that's where it fuels from. Yeah, I think having having asked the question, I sort of realised that that's YouTube and uh, you know a Minecraft wiki is probably the reason why I have played the PC one for a bit. If because trying to craft something in Minecraft, it's all down to logic, and I haven't really got a lot of that. It's like you have to place your your materials into you know a craft bench and then you have to put them in in a formation that represents the thing you want so you'd make a pickaxe in the shape of a pickaxe on like a four by four grid i do believe it is or six it's three by three three by three okay so, so you make like little sort of pick cross versions if anyone knows what pick cross is so you make like little yeah. pick cross images of what you want and then it pops out so you'd have two bits of two sticks of wood at the bottom and then uh you know, an arc of metal or iron or, you know, that is metal. Yeah, yeah, you have a, t- a T-shape for a, a pickaxe, essentially. Pickaxe, yeah. yeah. So, But my my brain can't really handle that. And I, you know, I, I, I relied myself going to Wikipedia and stuff, but I found that a bit yeah. laborious, which is a bit of a contradiction because when I play Bind and Advisor, I'm always bouncing between the game and, um, you know, a wiki to let me know what the items are. But my brain just couldn't handle all these recipes and things like that at once. Um, and... Yeah. 
does anyone else have a problem with that? Or is it just me like, oh, yeah, I've got to build a chair. How do I build a chair? And then my brain just sort of farts and fails and can't really work <laughs> out what to do. I mean, I think you're right. It, it does rely on a bit of logic, but it's not real world logic. It's all through the, the filter of it being in-game logic. Because, mm. I mean, t- to say that you draw something that looks like a, a pickaxe or a chair, well, yeah, kind of, but it's all through the filter of what the game thinks a pickaxe looks like on a 3 by 3 grid. Or, you know, and the fact that you can make like a... Um, a lowercase r shape to get the um is it the scythe for for farming so it's not like you can intuit that i mean you can do a certain amount of it just kind of brute forcing and putting wood in different configurations and seeing what you come up with but you do kind of need help i don't think anyone's going to come up with all the recipes just off their own back through trial and error Hmm. or applying a certain amount of logic um, you can get a certain amount of the way, but there's always going to be stuff that you, you don't know how to do, I think, and you're going to need some kind of resource, be it YouTube or, or a wiki, uh, to get that, I would imagine. Certainly, mm-hmm. I, I can't fathom anyone just getting through it all, all on their own without any assistance. Going, just going back to griefing as well, I think I've actually played on some uh, some public servers that are completely open. Anyone can go on there. And when you when you spend the time learning these recipes, learning how to build a house, spending the time to fight animals, and then leave them back for a thousand blocks with a piece of <laughs> bloody wheat all yeah. the way back to your house, and you get back and someone's smashed up your house and taken all your stuff, that's you know you've you've you have to learn how Minecraft works before you can be good at it, and for some idiot to just come along and take take it without any second thought, yeah. there's. You know, that's it can be really upsetting for people. I mean, I'm a 31-year-old man, so, you know, no shed tears. It is only a computer game. But there are a lot of young people that play this game. And I think there's griefing and, pr- and pranking at the end of the day. And a prank is mm. something that, like, um, Darren Gargett would do on the Cane and Mint server, putting up no. signs everywhere or, you know, steal somebody's sheep for a laugh. And it's you know that person, so it's just a prank. It's just a bit of a laugh, you know. Whereas griefing is... I think it's a lot of the time it is done to upset the person, and I think it's oh yeah yeah it's aimed at the younger audience of the game, and I don't I don't know if it's to put them off or just because there's you know there's just horrible people out there and they've got nothing oh, better yeah. to do you know definitely there's not... a little bit of an update that allows you to extinguish these people's lives when they try and reach into your treasure chests. I wish there was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it would be fantastic if you just uh, you hit a chest so they try and steal everything you've got, and water suddenly pulls in from the roof. And traps them in place, so they can't do shit. Pull the drone. This evil base sounds amazing. Hopefully, you had that, uh, like a, an intricate redstone trap from you know when I go rooting through your cupboards, looking for your mankinis and fongs. That you know one day that may happen, and you drown me. That'd be cool. Yeah, I mean that was the original intent, but uh, as I said, this was earlier on in the beta life. So mm. either I couldn't figure it out, or they weren't uh, implemented at that point. Yeah, I think I think they added redstone uh, later on. Rich, is that right? They did, yeah. Uh, yeah. The redstone—they're adding more and more stuff all the time, and it's—it's it's getting really clever now. I need to get back on. I stopped redstoning for a while because redstoning is like physics at school. <laughs> you know, like they draw it on the chalkboard. It's like the bulb and the switch and the battery, yeah. and they draw the wires. Yeah, That's yeah. how redstone works in Minecraft. Mm. But the, to be good at it, you have to compact those circuits as small as they can possibly be. And people make some amazing stuff with redstone. If, mm. if people aren't sort of keen on doing it just go on youtube and look people have made like simpsons doorbells for their houses out of the note blocks <laughs> and stuff just 
It's, it's mind blowing. The Redstone side of the game is it could be a game on its own, really. Someone made RAM within Minecraft. They made like a yeah. Um, yeah. working RAM. Yeah, working yeah. RAM. Yeah. Like, what the yeah. F- what, what? A working computer base basically, you know, not not yeah. really, but that's how it was pitched. So presumably that's kind of tiered. You make a very basic like essentially a semiconductor. Um and then or or even just like a, a, a switch or a um solenoid or something. And then you can put several of those together on your on your workbench, and that forms right. something else. Yeah, that's right. Because um, that's the only way you can get that sort of complexity. Because as Darren, you said, it's a three by three grid. There's only so much, so many different patterns you can make out of whatever it is you're putting on there before you kind of it's run, actually, in, run into problems. It's you, for instance, you. It's it's hard to explain, but you build on basically on different levels, and mm. in between each level, you have what's called a repeater. Um, but redstone doesn't actually you don't have to use the actual redstone dust it can the energy from the redstone the redstone power if you like can travel through the adjacent blocks so then it starts to get really kind of technical because you don't always need a block there it it might travel through a block on its own Hmm. and it's it's cool stuff i'd like to have a redstone in night one night i think that could be quite fun i mean that's kind of interesting the way you say that because water and lava have quite Mm. weird properties in the game in terms of yes. where lava has to be to stay as lava versus turning to obsidian, obsidian and, and in terms of water mm. um in terms of water uh water won't necessarily it'll it'll flow sometimes it'll flow away and just drain away um and you need to get a certain number of blocks of water together before it will be self-sustaining and you can take water out of it and it'll just refill yeah. mm-hmm. so it's got this kind of weird physics that's almost like the real world a bit like when you're building the physics and gravity do kind of work, but equally well, as long as you can stick a block even horizontally onto another block, it stays. So it's got this weird physics that that it gives you a lot more flexibility of what you can do in the world than you would have in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can build some pretty incredible stuff with that, and and you can use and abuse the properties of lava and water to your to your benefit, um, like with an underwater base, <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> Or uh, like Fire Spear Summit, which was built by Sly on yeah. the uh, Canarin server, which is pretty crazy. Indeed. So we, uh, Mr. Foreman alluded to it earlier. He said something about like an inverted version, like Hell in Minecraft, uh, which is, I do believe, called the Nether. Am I right in saying that? Yep. Mm-hmm. There we go. Uh, so Mr. Richard Underwood, I want, to, want you to explain to us the, the steps to Endgame, without going into too much detail, because we are only here for a little while yep. longer. Yeah. Uh, just give us like you know the brief steps on how to get to the never and then to the to the end game essentially okay so we're saying earlier on about the early steps of you know get wooden tools then stone tools so that you can get iron and then diamonds and it's that's all well and good and you keep it in chests and you've got a nice house but what comes next so the whole point is to get get yourself some obsidian and build a portal you get your little flint and steel set it on fire and it, it, it will make a doorway into another dimension basically which is it's it's meant to be, I believe, based underneath the bedrock. So it's like the that's why you can't get through bedrock because you just fall out of the bottom of the world, and that's the dimensional layer between the worlds. Basically, you get when you go into the Nether, it's very hostile. <laughs> it's extremely hostile. There's no water, um, but there is lava in abundance. <laughs> um, there's a it's got its own mobs as well, so. You don't have creepers, no more exploding creepers anywhere, and you don't have uh, no zombies or or skeletons as such. Um, that is changing now as more 
updates for the game are coming out. They're starting to put different mobs in different areas of the game, and they're going to be changing that some more. But um, yeah, once you're in the nether, you want to be sort of just hunting around in there, looking for what are called nether fortresses, and they're the equivalent of a NPC village in the overworld. Um, two main reasons you want to go there is the first one is there's something that grows there called nether wart and you want to get that that makes your base potion for all of the other potions in the game so you can brew potions um, in order to brew potions you need a blaze rod which comes from killing a blaze which is another of the nether's mobs <laughs> so you make your brewing stand you've got your nether wart with some three pieces of glass, you can make some bottles, and then you can start adding ingredients like um, like glistening melon or and whatnot, and make these fire resistance potion, um, you know, invisibility potions, health regeneration potions. They're really important as you go further on in the game. Um, obviously, being in the Nether and there's just fire and it's hell, a, a fire resistance potion that you, you can throw at a friend and make them fire resistant for eight minutes is going to help them because they can just walk through the lava and it doesn't burn them. So really, really useful stuff. But, you, you know, you need to be... If you go in there, you know, the first day and you've only got sort of wooden or stone stuff, you, you're really not going to do very well in there at all. You need to get some better upgraded gear. The other reason you go to these nether fortresses is the... There's something in there now. Um, they're called wither skeletons. And they're basically black skeletons, and uh, you need to kill them in order to get their heads. Now, their heads—it's not every time you kill one that you get it. It's—it's um, it's kind of a limited drop system. Once you get three of those heads, you can summon the first boss, if you like. So you get uh, four pieces of soul sand, put them on in the world in the shape of a T, and on the top of the T, you put the three wither skulls when you put the last one down he will turn into the wither boss he's a three-headed flying demon um, that shoot shoots fireballs at you and they, he's very explosive he's extremely powerful um, you need a very good bow and a very good diamond sword to kill him uh, and you get a lot of xp when you kill him um, that's pretty much it on the nether side of things mm. um, back in the overworld i was saying about npc villages and stuff like that um, you also get kind of abandoned mine shafts, um, so you'll be digging around and you'll just all of a sudden you'll you'll hit like some train line underground and some hidden chests and stuff. It, in and around those areas you get what are called strongholds, which is basically a never fortress in the overworld, but underground. It's kind mm. of strange. Um, you need to locate the end portal, and this is, they call it the end it is complete in the game, but the game carries on once you've done it. Um, the way you do that is to kill Enderman. You get the Ender Eyes, and you add some of the Blaze Rod powder to the Ender Eye. You throw it, and it will go off in the direction of the Stronghold, basically. So you, you run after it, pick it up again, and throw it, and then run after it, pick it up, and throw it. And it could be 10,000 blocks away. <laughs> you just don't know. It could be right under your feet. Um, dig down, find the End Portal. And it won't be lit. It won't actually be an end portal. You have to use ender eyes around the outside of it. Now again, it's a random number, so it might only need one more to light the portal, or it might need all 12. So, I mean, imagine you have to go and then kill another 12 endermen to get their eyes, and another 12 blazes, and mix it together, and then go back there again. <laughs> but once you sort of light it up, you go through into the end. The end is called the end because there's only 
two types of mobs in there. There's Endermen, and there are thousands of them. It isn't very big. It's a, fl a floating island, basically, and uh, with thousands of Endermen on it. And a, a big dragon flying around. A big Ender dragon flies around, and there's about six or seven towers around the outside of the island. Um, the dragon will regenerate health from these towers, so what you need to do is shoot out these little blocks on the top of each tower. Uh, whilst dodging over a thousand endermen, which is tough, <laughs> really tough. On your own, nearly impossible. You need definitely. This is a, this is the where the multiplayer comes into it, and you open your your world up for LAN, and invite a few friends to come and help you uh, kill the Ender Dragon. Gets really really difficult. Um, there's a couple of little sneaky tips if anybody wants me to throw them in on how to not get killed by endermen. Go for it. Um, you can put a pumpkin on your head, and they can't see you. So you can just walk up to them and they won't do anything. That's um, like um, what is it, Oblivion's uh, game where, well, the Oblivion game where you put a bucket on someone's uh, shopkeeper's head and just loot the shop. It's yeah, similar, similar yeah. approach. Similar, very similar. Or uh, failing that because obviously you get like the reticule on your screen is two eye holes looking through a pumpkin, so you can't really see anything when you've got the pumpkin on your head. Another great way is just to tower up. So in the game, you're two blocks tall, and all of the mobs are two blocks tall apart from Endmen, who are three blocks tall. So you can either build a little archway with a two-block two gap, and you just stand in there and they can't hurt you, or tower up, so just put place blocks under your feet and jump, and just tower up three blocks, and because you're at their head height, they can't hit you either. Yeah. So it's a couple of good tips, but it, it took a few goes for us to work out exactly how to do it. You say a few goes, I reckon that that just sounds like so many hours. Yeah, <laughs> it's unbelievable. A, about a month. I mean, the the two blocks uh, rule is is a pretty good one just in the regular world anyway, because occasionally you can get Endermen um, coming into your world, and and so whenever you're building a house, certainly uh, the first house I built where it was basically just going to be me. Um, burying down into the ground in the bottom of it. I just made sure it was two blocks tall inside, and and that no way end of it in your house. Can't spawn <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. exactly. So yeah, there. Those are the details to Endgame. Uh, it's obviously more expansive than that, but you know we haven't got all year to talk about it. Uh, but I thought it was essential to because I don't think any, I don't think many people know about the Endgame. I think people mm. people play Minecraft. Uh, fair enough. Like this is I'm not you know against this anyway. But people people play it to socialize create stuff and you know just have a jolly good time like it's like back in my day you know that old quote um that old phrase i, I spent all my time in irc and i imagine uh, uh which was a chat internet relay chat i imagine people nowadays just go into a game of minecraft and just chat away to their mates and uh just you know play minecraft which is a much better version of what i did when i was 14 <laughs> see well listening to everything rich was just saying just now i was thinking that i could impress people by saying i once built a house you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bet it was a good house though, man. I bet it had. Oh like, man, it had a door. You wouldn't have believed it. Waterbed. <laughs> uh, no, it never had a bed. I just did it sleep on the floor. But I think that's the thing, isn't it? When, when you've you, you've built your first house and then you work out that you can do sort of four pads and and get the doors to open automatically, etc. Um, you you get to the point where you, you the mobs don't really affect you. You can you can go delving into a mine to go and harvest stuff or you can you can do what you want on the surface and it's fine and that was the situation i was in when i when i found out about creating a portal so i created my first portal walked through it and basically the reaction of everything in that world was get out and yep. that's just the way it feels it's just, you feel like you're almost invincible 
you know you can just do what you want uh in the game even in survival mode where there's mobs coming after you but you go through this portal and it's just a whole different world it's so hostile um, it's basically microsoft showing it e3 this year <laughs> <laughs> just them standing there on stage pointing the finger and saying get out Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So yeah, uh, later on in the in the lifespan of Minecraft, uh, 4J Studios were assigned the task of bringing it to consoles, and I think there was a lot of sort of um, hesitation from the fans and stuff like that. But ultimately, um, it's it's been a success. Uh, you know, I think it's sold equally the same amount. Is that no? I think it sold 11 million on PC, so therefore seven on Xbox 360. Which you know, mm. but by any game standard, that is an absolute yeah, it's massive. a monstrosity. You've got amount. to look at the time that it's been on the PC and then look at the time it's been on the mm, Xbox. Those yeah. 7 million copies sold quick, <laughs> like yes. really quickly, like everybody wanted it yeah. to come and on the Xbox. And also it's always been full price, whereas on the PC it had that long lead-in where people, a lot of people were buying it, you know, to get into the mm. alpha and the beta. I think a lot of fans bought it uh, on Xbox Live Arcade just to support Mojang as well. They might, yeah. their, their preferred version may be the PC one, that's exactly what I did, yeah. Uh, yeah, and like people like you and uh, and your your Minecraft buddies also um, bought it on Xbox just to say, you know what, I've got so many hours out of this game, I might not play the Xbox version that much, but have another ten pound, and there you go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a, a such a, um, a you know a genuinely nice way of showing your appreciation to the you know to to the people who made the game, for both yeah. 4J and Mojang. So yeah, um, me and Mr. Foreman, um, we both won it, or you know we were refreshing our internet browsers quick enough to get a key from uh, Raptor. And that's definitely where I spent most of my time playing Minecraft because it, for my little simple brain, it has a built-in UI to tell you how to craft stuff. And, you know, you need two of these and it would be ready if you haven't got them. And then all the formations would be laid out ready for you. And I thought that was such a great way to... And because the PC is a bit more of a hardcore platform, having that kind of stuff on Xbox 360 makes sense because there's idiots like me playing it. There's children playing it's it on a, the a baby console, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's for kids, the babies, you know, and people who can't really read and read. No, Wikipedia it, abso- and it absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Just because when you're on PC, you kind of you have internet right then and there, and mm-hmm. yes, you can absolutely go and find out what you need to do. Have YouTube open at the same time and just go and grab mm-hmm. it. Um, whereas, yeah, on console, that's just not the way games are generally. I really appreciate the PC one. I think it's. I think it's an incredible uh, product, and it's it's a great game to play. But I prefer the, the Xbox 360 version just because I I kind of like playing it with a pad, which might be a bit you know blasphemous to say. And I I really prefer the UI stuff, and and the split screen. Um, showing my girlfriend Gemma around a, a world of Minecraft we created together, and her pet dog exploded via a creeper. She never played the game before. She didn't even know what it was. Well, she <laughs> sort of knew what it was, but she didn't really know what was going on. And when we lost the dog, like the genuine sadness. You know, we couldn't have had that on PC because, you know, we'd have to buy another copy of the game, la da 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 And it was one of those moments, you know, we only played it for one night and that happened. But, you know, that happened and I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. So, and, you know, imagine if it was PC only and kids wanted to play it, that'd be four computers. But now they can just do four player split screen. That's four, you know, up to four kids playing on one console, which is mm. such, such a great idea. So, did anyone else put a lot of time into the Xbox Live version, or basically, I played it for as long as it took to get all the achievements, but I still had a good time while I was doing it. <laughs> I've got the PC version, and that's where I, I went to, mm. um, just because the the people I was playing with uh, I hopped into multiplayer on the server on PC. I didn't really have any reason to go to the 360 version because by that point, the 360 version had been out long enough that there weren't so many people that I knew playing it anymore. Um, 
and so I was happy with the PC version. Obviously, um, the sort of the headlines that uh, about the 360 version are yes, it's got more UI, but it's also a smaller world and it doesn't get updated as regularly as the PC version. So therefore, you know, it may not be as as up to date and as you know as a, as complete a version. So. Um, yeah, so I just never uh, felt the need to have two versions of the game. I was happy with the, the PC version, and and so stuck with that. Yeah, I don't know how well the Xbox 360 version's doing in terms of updates. The, the Rich, do you know how far along they've come, or do you not pay attention to that side anymore? Not so much on the 360 side. I know it's behind the PC version, um, yeah, and I know you know some people it puts them off. I I go the other way with it. I think that in a way you've got 11 million people that play it on PC. Now, that's 11 million people that are kind of pre-testing these updates before they come out yeah. on the Xbox. Yeah. So the guys on the Xbox, you've really got nothing to worry about. You know, they, the updates will come. It's They've proved that they can port the information across, you know. Mm. And it's... the P, I, I like it in a way that the PC's ahead because it's... That's the version I play and I'm playing the more up-to-date version. But at the same time... We're making it easier for the guys on, who play on the Xbox because we're kind of pre-testing it all. Yeah, it's a more refined version. If anything doesn't exactly. work, it doesn't need to go into the Xbox version. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's a fair point. It, it makes the Xbox One version quite interesting because I mean they mm. announced it obviously at E3 as being the Xbox One version, and the the snarky response obviously is, oh well, it's just the PC version now because the world's bigger and you know it's got it's got these extra bells and whistles that. PC players would say they always had in Minecraft, but actually, if you combine that with all the refinements that that we've just mentioned that the Xbox 360 version has, it, it may actually end up feeling like uh, it's got the benefits of both. Perhaps I don't know. We'll see. But um, it, it, if they can make it what you know effectively an infinite world, um, plus all the the connectivity benefits that you have on console, just with the sort of instant connection to to friends and, and a split-screen version and everything, then it could be quite interesting to see where they go with that. Hmm. For people who want to see what the Xbox 360 version looks like, uh, I did a quick rinse with uh, our very good friend Joshua Garrity. Uh, he jumped into my world and I nobbed around. I, I, hid, I think I threw cake at his face and showed him the, the nether we spoke about earlier. So if you go to youtube.com forward slash canerinse, uh, you can see that video if you just search for Minecraft. And uh, yeah, hmm. it's a very good video, if I do say so myself. Yeah, um going to briefly touch on any Minecraft clones that people have played. Um, I know my appreciation for this kind of game comes from Terraria, which is kind of a 2D version of Minecraft. There's no beating around the bush, but that's I put a lot more time into that because I think the 2D uh, genre is more, you know, platformy genre is more my kind of thing. Has anyone else played any, like, clones? Um, I have played the Forestcraft, I'm saying. <laughs> is that an Xbox Live indie games? Because that is, it's uh, one of one of the, one of the more famous clones. Is it, uh, is it any good? It's ugly. It's, yeah. a, it's a very <laughs> ugly game. I mean, it is just a straight rip-off, you know. Um, mm. It doesn't have any of the adventure or survival elements. Mm. The whole point of it is just to select blocks from a menu, and then just kind of wrap them into place. So it's kind of like Minecraft for idiots to a degree, you know. Mm. So you'd think that would work perfectly well for me, but I grew. <laughs> Very bored with it, very quickly. What's the mm. price on that? Are they, is it significantly cheaper? It was 240 points at the time. Mm. I'm fairly sure that was the price. It was definitely more expensive than most indie games, which uh, mm. tend, tend to be about 80 points. points. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, and Minecraft itself was more expensive than most Xbox Live indie uh, arcade games. Yeah. yeah, and people were like, Pfft, but then people bought it anyway. So, 
درب الانصاف جيف ات تو مي انديد اند يا ثينكينج اباوت لايك ام ذا دوكيومنتري ماركوس بيرسون بيرسون هي واز سين هاو بيبل ار كويت ان تو Uh, John Carmack, he's like a he's like a, a a modern day John Carmack, although you know John Carmack still is modern. Uh, but it, they say like the Mojang sort of reminds them of id software back in the day. And seeing back in the you know back in the nineties when Doom came out, there was a lot of Doom clones, as the you know the phrase was coined. Um, and the same's happening with Minecraft. There's there's a lot of parallels with the with the two games. Mm. You know, but Doom being the most gruesome thing in the world, and Minecraft being quite lovely and and charming. Mm. On you know, so that's quite a polar opposite. But essentially, at the core. It feels very similar, you know, id Software being a little indie startup, and uh, Notch is very, which is Marcus's uh, alias, he's very aware of uh, Mojang expanding beyond their, um, you know, beyond what they can hold, and that they want to stay indie, which is good. But yeah, um, Minecraft clones, I've seen them. <laughs> I, I saw one on, uh, I can't remember what it was called, right? but Giant Bomb were playing one, um, and it was like a 2D, it looked like, it looked like Minecraft, but it played like Terraria, so it had like the worst of both, <laughs> it was really weird, <laughs> I, I say the worst of both, it, it, did, it did them both very badly, so it did the 2D platforming very badly from Terraria, and it had the, the sound and the graphics of, um, of Minecraft, which it did very badly, and you know, a poor imitation, and while they were playing it, um, the, the musician, uh, Daniel Rosenfield, also known as C418, he tweeted Brad Shoemaker, and the push notification popped up on the screen and said, well, his music's not as good as mine, and it was all very like they couldn't have timed that better because you know that's just the way it happened. And they do, they do all seem to be. Well, I'm not going to say all of them because I haven't seen all of them, but all the ones that I've seen just they really do seem hastily bolted together to try and piggyback on Minecraft's success. Yeah. You know, there's uh, very little innovation or even a spark of interest that kind of comes from them. You know. So yeah, we spoke of the guy Daniel Rosenfeld, uh, C418. He'd done the music for Minecraft and. I think it's just it's very it, it's it's worthwhile talking about the music briefly because I think it suits the game down to a T. Um, it doesn't always play, and not, not when I play it, it always seems like it comes in at certain moments. Is that a it's, is that a programming thing or to, to me it seemed to be when it was like changing the time of day. You know, it was like That's transitioning right, yeah. between so, uh, like day to night or night to day. Okay. Yeah, my favorite. Uh, I don't know all of them. A lot of the music in the game is named. Uh, a little bit like Daniel's, everyone just calls him like C418 or whatever. Um, a lot of the music's called that, and the, the music discs in the game. There's, I think, there's 15 music discs, and that's the the songs from the game, the music from the game. Um, there's one we could, we don't know the real names for them, but they are in there within the the programming, I guess. We just call it morning song because whenever the sun comes up, this music comes in. And... At first, I never really noticed the music because it's quite sort of backgroundy, sort of. It, it kind of feels like you should be playing in the world of Minecraft, like someone's got a door, a window open, and you can sort of hear music. It kind mm. of suits the vibe of the game, and for it, it's like a backhanded compliment, but you don't really realise it until you're sitting on a cliff face and you just think, oh yeah, there's music playing in the background. It sort of, it, it fits the environment and the, uh, the the look of the um the game around you. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking out, even if you don't like playing Minecraft. Just just put some of the uh, the mu- the music on and. Well, you'll hear some of it in this podcast, and just just chill out, man. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it's as good as Fez, but it's going for a different, you know, it's going for a different angle. But where you're saying it's the music isn't as good as Fez, do you feel that he's feeling constricted on what he can do because it's the the visual nature of the game? He has to keep the music a certain way, otherwise yeah. the music no longer fits how the game looks. The thing is, I mean, to me, the music in this game is very ambient. It has to kind of suit what's happening on screen, you know. Whereas someone mm-hmm. like um, 
uh, Tarek Avenue's V V V V V V V. You know, the music by Soul Lion that is absolutely fucking spectacular. Yeah. But you couldn't have any kind of music like that in Minecraft because <laughs> oh, yeah. it, it wouldn't fit, you know. J- yeah. Just it would be a separate entity from what's happening on screen. Well, there we go. Uh, so yeah, that's. I want to talk briefly about some mods and some seeds for for loading. You know, you can put seed numbers in or seed letters in or a combination of the both and make a, a unique. Well, I say unique. If you put the numbers in, you you could all have it. But yeah, it's um, yeah, like a, a location that's dedicated to that code, that seed. Uh, so uh, I, I haven't messed with any mods, but I've seen a few that look amazing. Anyone else apart from Rich? Because I'm pretty much going to go to Rich for this uh, question. Anyone else seen any mods that are worth checking out? Sadly, no. I mean, the only thing that I know about the seeds is that um, if you're not playing this game in the winter setting, when the snow's falling, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> it is a beautiful looking game, even though it is, you know, on the surface, very blocky. Uh, yeah. So, James, no mods? You didn't dick around with any of them? Uh, No. No. Nah. no. Okay. Well, let's turn our chairs to Richard Underwood. Give, give me some odds and seeds, man. Give, give some tips. All right. So, uh, I'll talk about seeds first. So, the seed generation works by... You, it's all done on numbers, and you can go. I think it's up to a, like a billion, billion. It's a ridiculous amount. Um, so have you seen them it, all yet? And it also goes. <laughs> um, it also goes minus a billion, billion. So it the it's ridiculous the amount of seeds you could possibly get, or you can type in words, and it will give that word a particular number. Um, for instance, I've typed in cane and rinse, and if you type in cane and rinse in the seed generator, you get quite a nice little seed. To be honest, I've typed in my username, I've typed in uh, my mobile phone number. You can put anything in that little box and it will generate the most random of, of Minecraft worlds. Yeah. Um, if it's an, an indo- in, like an individual thing to you, like your phone number, put your mobile phone number in there. Nobody else really knows that number is probably going to put it into the Minecraft generator. You know that you're getting a world that only you've played on. And that's quite a quite a cool feature, I think. Um, interestingly, if you wanted to share a seed with somebody, but you didn't want to tell them that you typed in, you know, dog in at the weekends to get that seed, <laughs> it will give you a number. And if you type yeah. forward slash seed in game, it will tell you the number of the seed, not the words that you use to get that seed. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason for that presumably is that although it seems procedurally generated, it's based on uh, a calculation. So the, the number is essentially a key that it uses to to yep. generate the the world from, and it can convert any word into, either by ASCII code or whatever it might be, it can convert that into a number pretty easily. So the words are just kind of a fun way of picking one of those two billion billion codes out and just using that. That's it, yeah, I think I guess, so. Yeah. I think mods-wise, um, you can get a program called Minecraft Patcher. Um, everybody should get Minecraft Patcher. Just make sure you get the version of Minecraft Patcher that matches your Minecraft, otherwise it won't work. Once you've got that, um, you can get some mods like Ray's Minimap, which gives you a Grand Theft Auto-style map, um, which is really <laughs> handy. You can set waypoints, so put one on your house, put one on you know, Darren Gargett's house, and then when you go into his and you you know borrow some sugar or whatever, pervert, you, pervert. you still know your way back home. Um, also, when you go into like the Nether, mark where your portal is to get back out again. Yeah, Otherwise, you're stuffed. <laughs> um, things like that. And yeah, Ray's mini map is amazing. If if people don't use it, then uh, fair so, enough. But if if you did if if you do want like a little map to help you out and be able to set waypoints, you need Minecraft Patcher to use the mods. I've written a few ways of playing the game now. 
there's mob pa uh, mod packs that you can get. So you can play things like the Hunger Games in Minecraft. And there's servers out there. If you just type in Minecraft Hunger Games, there's servers out there. They're not whitelisted. You just jump in and it will say, no, you can't join the server. This server will restart in seven minutes or something. So that means there's a game going on. And every, every 30 minutes the server restarts. They let about 25 people in. And it is the Hunger Games, just like the film. You're all stood around in a circle at the beginning. The admin types 3, 2, 1, go, and you go. And you start with nothing, and it's last man standing wins. Um, that's really, really good fun. There's another one called Dwarfs versus Zombies, which is basically everyone starts as a dwarf. You have five minutes, you build a castle to defend yourselves, and then the zombies and spiders and pigmen and creepers all start flooding to the castle. When somebody dies, they go on the enemy team, so you're now attacking the castle. Um, last Again, last man left in the castle wins. But when you've got like 100 people on a server, it's a bit like Bulldog in the playground. <laughs> you end up with the good the good kids at PE, are the last two who haven't been tagged by anyone yet because they can run. It's the same sort of thing. The people that are good at Minecraft are the guys that haven't died and... That it, eventually the numbers just win you know you can't run forever kind of thing so yeah dwarfs versus zombies that's really good um a little money spinner and there's a lot of them with minecraft a lot of people make money off of notch's kind of little game that he made uh mine z it was at a point where daisy was extremely popular and they they launched the mine z and it was i i bought it for 18 pounds but it's actually free to play now so you can check out mine z which is pretty awesome to be honest it's real good fun it's just like daisy but in minecraft and those are all the ones i wrote down apart from things like tech it and feed the beast but they go more into they're kind of their own thing now so i mean i think everyone knows sort of what tech it and feed the beast are um, but just more for vanilla minecraft uh, hunger games is probably the best one Right, good stuff, yeah, I'll definitely check them out in video form if there are videos. Which I'll definitely, shoot Dwarfs yeah, yeah. vs Zombies videos, there's lots of those. Nice, that sounds good.
Right then, we're going to get some um, feedback from the forum. It was quite weird because you put the uh, the post up, James, and no one replied for ages. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad yeah. people did get around to uh, to getting back to us and how they experienced Minecraft. So Robotic Monkey says, I stumbled into Minecraft when a friend linked me to the web-based ver- version. You got a small play area and a range of blocks to choose from. There was a link to buy into the beta, so I stumped up and jumped in. Back at the time, I remember playing on the GamerDork server and spent some time putting up pixel art which seemed to fix the style of the graphics. At the same time, a friend managed to set up a server and we set about building... Sorry, and we set about building. Chopping down trees, digging out caves and refining materials, we built a massive house that turned into a cathedral and then into a castle. The sense of satisfaction in knowing you dug up the materials and turned them into something is what made the game so special to me. Building yourself a fortress and defending it from beasties and wrongdoers poked at a childish nostalgia which made me keep returning to the game. Back early on in the development of the game, there was little to no documentation on how to build things. You had to experiment. Time passed on and I ended up being a moderator on a server. This gave me the ability to summon any amount of any block I wanted, and this allowed me to make even bigger and more elaborate projects. But this also kind of killed the game for me. The sense of achievement in knowing I would have to gather materials myself if I wanted to build something ultimately made building things feel a little bit more hollow. Spin forwards to the Xbox release of the game. I jumped in again with both feet and this time played the game with my daughter, who is a big Lego fan. It was great seeing her try to work out how to build things and trying to copy the things I would build. We made houses and castles and ran away from monsters. When I got home from work, she would proudly show me what she had dug up and added to our base. It was also lovely to see her try to recreate the things we had made using Lego. Sad times indeed when our save was corrupted and we lost our epic castle. Damn. (laughs) Um, Shortly after this, creative mode was added in an update and we set about making bigger and better things, but just like with the PC version, Creative mode kind of killed the game for me. I don't play anywhere near as much as I used to, but it's still one of my favourite games to sit down and play with my daughter. I think Minecraft's simplicity is its biggest hook. Break things down, level off an area, build your imagination. The game is made up of 20 minute moments of, oh I'll just move this, and before you know it, it's 3am and you can barely keep your eyes open. Minecraft has given me some truly wonderful multiplayer gaming experiences, some rather horrific ones too if your server gets griefed. <laughs> I think it's um, worth saying what you mentioned there about building a house and turning it into a cathedral and then into a castle. I think it's great that you can always undo what you've done. Um, and I know that seems like such a simple thing, but if you build a house and suddenly you realise, oh, I didn't do a space for this, knock a wall down, build it again. You know, it, it's so easy to do that and you get everything back into your inventory pretty much, I think. Um, and yeah, it just feels like you would with Lego. You know, pick off a few blocks, rebuild it, it doesn't matter. As long as you're you're smart about how you do it, it's uh, it's really flexible. Scrussell says, <clears throat> "What can you say about this game that hasn't already been said?" I tend to think of Minecraft as being more of a toy box than a game. It's fitting that it's gained a reputation of basically being digital Lego. That's a big part of what it is. Even with all the survival and combat elements, that can be quite compelling. Admittedly, more so with the former. The biggest draw for this game for me is how it can be a blank canvas to express creativity in a three-dimensional space. One of the biggest reasons I play games is to explore new and strange worlds and Minecraft allows you to create your own worlds, even if sometimes I found myself frustrated with the limits of my own capabilities. But seeing what other people can create is such a joy too. I've spent far more time watching videos of this game on YouTube than I've actually playing it, marvelling at what some people are able to do with it. My mind has been blown many times over seeing what people have been able to create, not just in an aesthetic sense, 
but in a mechanical sense too. The way people have created entire games within Minecraft itself, whether that be mods or just redstone, it's, it's amazing to see how the game can be changed and how many different experiences you can have. I think there's also something to be said about how it is largely responsible for the popularization of Let's Plays and general gaming video content. Although it was around before, it wasn't really until the Yogcast showed up with the right mix of personality and being able being at the right place at the right time that it really took off, leading to a revolution in how people consume media about games. Whether that be a good or bad thing could be debated, but it certainly had a huge impact on the medium. Okay, we've got one from friend of the show Tom Fom, and he says, About the start of Minecraft. I've lost count of how many hours I've put in this game. I've got fond memories of the original server we had with Gamerdork and spending my first time in the game with Fudge and Guy building a dam and a massive swimming pool below. Another time was building my first monster trap on a single player game. It took me so goddamn long. I'll dig in another monster trap and emptying all the blocks underneath, leaving a big black hole. That took me about three months to do and I don't regret it. Such a great game, but one I've kinda grown bored with now thanks to DZ and other similar games. It's one of those games that draws you in and you can lose months on it. It's all about those wow moments when exploring, and you come across the random beauty of the game's inherent creations. Loved it. In fact, thinking about this, I need to play some more. That's Sly Reflex says, I love digital toy boxes. Minecraft is one of the finest. I love that it's many things to many people. Some like to play survival mode where everything they put down was claimed by them. Some people like the Legoiness of the creative mode that allows them to go wild. Others like to create problems so they can be solved by using the in-game mechanics. I'm personally all three of those. There's an incredible pride to be had building something where you've collected everything, carefully planning what goes where so that its footprint doesn't exceed or encroach on other projects, making mechanical machines in the game using the least possible materials and space becomes the world's most free-form puzzle game. Minecraft's crowning glory is the people that play it. Yeah, there are trolls and griefers, but as a whole, the community is really positive. The way that knowledge and ideas pass through from person to person is almost viral. As you get to know people playing, you get to know their style too. Players become artisans, identifiable by their work on how they construct stuff. Some people are safe and stick to, to making the usual things that are very aesthetic. Some might impress with technical know-how, while others might dazzle with their totally out-there ideas and execution. To me, Minecraft is a very important game. It feels like a step forward in freeform gameplay that is hard to come by otherwise. Child of Shade To me, Minecraft was one of those games that everyone was talking about, but I never played. I'd heard great things about it from a couple of my friends and actually bought a copy while it was in its beta stage but still I never got around to playing it. It wouldn't be until earliest, earlier this year that I would finally pick up the game and try it out for the first time. Early impressions were somewhat underwhelming, with me wandering around a vast world trying to figure out what to do. Then it took ages to find out how to craft tools and blocks and that was when the game started to open up for me. That euphoria didn't last very long when I quickly got bored of building things. I liked the idea of having a massive world to explore and build around in to your heart's content, but I felt that the game needed to do a better job of explaining its mechanics to the player. At the end of my session with it, I just found myself bored and without a goal to fulfil. Maybe I just wasn't creative enough to appreciate the game, but then again, this is the guy who grew up with playing Legos non-stop as a child. However, one thing that I can say about this game is that it has broadened the field for gamers and has allowed more people to get into this medium. Almost every time I go to work, I see one or two people, even children, wearing a Minecraft shirt and or accessory. If you merely glance at YouTube, you'll find all sorts of videos dedicated to people sharing their creations and experiences and talking about patches, 
Heck, this game has become my brother's and sister's summer obsession, with them playing it non-stop with their friends. While it may not be for me, Minecraft has accomplished so much for the games industry and gaming culture and should be applauded for what it has accomplished and done. Going to swiftly move on to the three word reviews, which is uh, via the Twitter, hashtag uh, CRTWR. Uh, yep, Flying Tortoise says, Mine build 3am. Leighton Buzzard's very own Sonic Mole says, Limitless Creativity 3. Ryan Astley, Dev Strikes Gold. Uh, Moose Grinder says, Many Hours Lost. Zephyr Light says, Fallen in Lava. That's always fun. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Robotic Monkey says, creative time sync. So thank you very much for your contributions to the show. Greatly appreciated as always. Nice to have a bit of mix there of people loving it and hating it. And loving and hating it all in one go. Uh, we're going to do a quick summary of the game and um, and then bugger off. So our summaries of Minecraft. Uh, are you excited for Notch's next game, which is pronounced in the documentary as Tent of the Sea? And he then goes, oh no, I've accidentally pronounced the, the name of the game. Which it kind of looks like Minecraft in space in a weird way, but more shooty than explorey survivally. Um, so yeah, um, for me, I really appreciate what Minecraft does for the games industry and the people who play it. But ultimately, I find it quite intimidating to play because if I was to pick it up again now, I would get that sort of World of Warcrafty style feeling of just like, oh, this is going to take me forever to do this. And that's quite bad to you know, play a game with that sort of um, prejudice against it, I guess. You know, that sort of feeling of dread before you've even started playing it again. But that's that's how I feel with games like this now. It's um it's spawned a genre, I do believe. I think it's very, very important, like I said, for, for everyone involved. But ultimately, it's it's not my bag, baby. Um, You know, it's I think part of it comes down to me being not very creative with, uh, with the game's uh, mechanics and... That definitely shows through when I when I made the most boring house in the world, just sitting there, and you're just like, "Well, come on, do something, do something fun." And I, I just can't do that because the time and my brain don't, you know, merge together to make something exciting. It's not my desk. Here. I do, however, really, really like the Xbox Live Arcade version, which, uh, as I said earlier on, the, the split screen nature of the game definitely helps for couch co-op fun and uh, losing your pet dog to a creeper. So yeah, uh, Minecraft is. It's fantastic. It's it's, a, it's not for me to say, you know, it, it's the best because it is like it is amazing. Like people, you know, the sales reflect that in in its, in its millions. And um, I'm kind of worried that it's going to influence a lot of games that don't really need it. I think um, Dead Space Three is a prime example of this. It's sort of gone for a crafty mechanic, and I don't, I don't think it was it was a nice idea, but I think it's the wrong game to implement it. I think a lot of people are chasing this Minecraft style, and I think you know for. I think for, for for future games, they need to be really wary of how they implement stuff like this. Um, I think it's kind of like Doom again. It's kind of like Doom. That you know, it's just it was just it's just too good for its time that people just want a piece of that pie again. Like with World of Warcraft, that game came out and it was the best of its style, effectively you know redefining it. And people went for that pie and failed. You know, like MMOs now are a bit of a damp squib, and you can't really play one without even feeling of oh here comes another quest giver. I'm hoping that Minecraft doesn't have the same influence where it's just like, okay, I've just got to build another hut to survive the night. Do you know what I mean? It's it's, it's just too... I, I hope it's just not too good for its own good for the industry, if you know what I mean. So yeah, uh, if you like games, you've definitely got to check it out at least once um, because it's an experience that 
you know, it's the, it's the best of, of its type, and, uh, you know, it hasn't been beaten. <sighs> Rich. So, sort of spinning off of what you're saying there, where, you know, you, you, you it isn't a game that you would always go back to because it's got that kind of steep learning curve to be really good at it. You need to know a lot about it and stuff. But that's where the multiplayer side of the game comes into it, you know. There's a bit like what Sly Reflex was saying in, in his... Uh, and his little bit of it is uh, nothing better than sort of having that you know face palm moment like I just can't get this redstone to work I give up and then once someone else comes along and says oh you've got this bit in the wrong place look and they they help you fix it and between the two of you it works and something that you know just popped in your head while you're walking down the shop like I wonder if I can make that out of redstone like an like the automatic chicken oven <laughs> for instance um, things like that you know just yeah, and you just sit there for a couple of days trying to get it, and you know you talk back and forth with your friends, and I can't get it to, and you finally get it to work. There's, there is nothing better than that, I don't think. Or, or building something, you know, talking to someone on a server, typing away, and they're like, oh, "I've finished my house. Come and have a look." And you know, you go and have a look, and it's incredible. And you're, you know, that's that. It doesn't come along every day in a game where you can't wait to see what other people have done in the game and that's what blows me away in minecraft and that's i think it's the best game i've ever played in my entire life um i don't play it as much anymore but i'm glad i did and i'm glad that i put the time in and it's for me it's the first real game that i've taken seriously and it's it's a weird one because minecraft isn't that kind of game but from my point of view I got I got into the forums and stuff, and I really got into the YouTube side of it, and and it kind of I let it take over a little bit too much in some ways, and and spent far too much time playing it. But I'm I'm really really glad I did, and it's it started off a little bit niche, and I think now it's it's moved on to its own thing, and a lot of people I've mentioned it earlier that a lot of people make money off Minecraft. Um, just to give you an idea that there's. I think there's over 30,000 Minecraft server host companies in the world. Now that's kids with one PC in their bedroom renting out two or three servers right up to the, the huge ones, you know, like MC Pro Hosting who hosts, they're an American server host and they host thousands, tens of thousands of servers in America. And they're making all of this money, all of these people, you know, there's websites like Planet Minecraft and None of it would have happened if Notch hadn't made this game. And I think if no one's ever played Minecraft before, you should pick it up on the, on just on, on either platform and just give it a bash because you need to see what all the fuss is about. And I think when people play it and they give it a chance, I think most people will want to play it, regardless of you know age, what sort of games you like. I think anyone would, would enjoy playing it. I really do. Man, Magna Carta. How do you feel about Minecraft? Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one because, like you, Darren, it, it kind of feels like it's not my kind of game. I I don't have that creative bent um, to to re to really have a, an idea and be able to follow through on it. Um, so when I was playing single player, I kind of just got into uh, building a house, and that's a very defined project. It's nice and easy. wasn't too worried about how it looked, but I knew I had to go and mine a certain number of bricks or you know blocks of cobblestone or whatever and so i had a, a target to go to um but i'd never felt the urge to really get creative with it 
Um, but what I did love was how flexible the game was. So the difference between single player and, and multiplayer, it's the same thing. But in multiplayer, you get, you have the flexibility because there's so many more people there. So that first night doesn't feel like a struggle. It doesn't feel like a desperate 12 minutes to get everything done. It feels really relaxed because there's three or four or five of you there. And it's not a challenge to get something knocked up that keeps you safe or to start getting torches put out. And, you know, you're already creating stuff, not just surviving. But ultimately, the game's the same. Um, and and likewise, there's a flexibility to the mechanics, like you were saying about Dead Space having crafting in Dead Space 3. That's not flexibility. Um, there's, there's no difference, really, between crafting yourself a gun that fires laser bolts or one that fires spikes. It's not flexibility. It, it doesn't add anything to the game, really. Um, whereas in Minecraft... The, the crafting gives you a great sense of really choosing how you're going to define your world and what you're going to do in your world. Um, and you can just walk around in that game. You don't have to craft anything if you don't want to, but the crafting's there and you can use it and it gives you a lot of power and a lot of flexibility um, just by having these very basic mechanics and, and what looks like quite a simple world. But the depth as you go literally deeper underground but also deeper into what you can do in the world and you start getting ideas from other people and uh, you know you start communicating with other people it had that kind of you know a game like braid makes you feel clever by solving the puzzles but you don't need help from anyone else generally to solve them whereas with something like minecraft or fez or dark souls are the three i can think of it almost demands that you contact someone else and start asking questions start having a conversation you know, start watching videos that someone else has made to try and uncover what's going on in the world. So it has that kind of depth to it, and it demands a little bit more of the player just to to kind of put something of themselves into it to get something out. And I know it's a bit of a rambling summary, but it, it really felt like something slightly different to me than, than what most games think of when they think of allowing you to be creative or think of multiplayer. Um, and yeah, I just I just loved it for that, and it was it was quite an intense sort of three weeks over which I really played uh, the the meat of my my Minecraft hours, um, but I loved it and I loved single player. I loved going on multiplayer and, and having a you know um, rather than griefing anyone. What what I took to was building these little hidey holes all over the place where I'd stored all my stuff, not knowing whether I could really trust these people who were arguably pretty good friends of mine. But I'd, I'd hide a diamond sword down a pit and I'd know it was three blocks along and two blocks up from the corner of the house. And it's probably still there to this day. But just stuff like that. So you, you can you can have a single player experience in a multiplayer world and not have to worry about other people. Um, so yeah, just stuff like that was really fun to do. Um, and yeah, just uncovering all the secrets of the world. So you're really basically a role-playing a squirrel while you were playing. Yeah, yeah, basically just gathering... So Gathering stuff, squirreling it away, and 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 then looking cute when someone else showed up, and I pretended I hadn't been doing anything I shouldn't have been. That's it. Yeah, I'm a squirrel. And last but not <laughs> least, Mr. Foreman. Well, Minecraft for me. I mean, whether I would recommend this game or not, it's really easy to recommend because if someone wants to go, uh, have a game where they can create stuff to their heart's content and just go into this wide open space. Go exploring, fight some monsters, create whatever they want. You know, the answer is yes. But what the most interesting thing for me is, 
A lot of developers are looking at this game and wondering how it got 18 million sales to date, continuing to sell well. And the simple answer to me, at least, is it's the same thing as with something like Animal Crossing. Games that offer you genuine creativity are few and far between, and it's an experience that a lot of players yearn for. They want to be able to do things on their own terms as opposed to being railroaded through a short four-hour adventure filled with, you know, these really standard cinematic moments, you know, pretty pedestrian gunplay. They want to be able to stretch their wings a little bit, see what they can impact the world, you know, impact the world in a way that they, you know, they instigate. They dream up, they conjure it, they get to work, and eventually they accomplish, you know. That kind of personal fulfillment is important for uh, an important thing for a lot of players that they just don't get very often, you know. If you complete something like Call of Duty, it's you've been led down a very narrow tunnel. You know, the developers want you to do something the entire way along, and you basically all you're doing is kind of accomplishing it in a very linear manner. And that's not just Call of Duty, it's like nearly... It's the majority of games on the market today. And even though I think that Minecraft is a little bit too sprawling for me, I don't have enough time to do it, and if you get into that game and you want to do something big scale, you could be there for months. You know, it's just, you can gaze at the distance and never see the end. But I've got nothing but appreciation for this game, for taking a chance, allowing people to do what they want as opposed to, you know, like what the developer wants them to do. That's a really important thing in my opinion, and more games should be doing it. I don't want every game to become that, you know, like, I, f I feel that a nice mixture is really important. But the secret is, um, the, the enjoyment lies with what the player can accomplish, not what the development team made in the, in, the, in the development cycle. Yeah, it doesn't feel like Notch or Mojang were ever kind of showing off. They left it to the players to show off. And I think yeah. that, that kind of, yeah, that, I, thought, I think that was important. It's, it's just that. I mean, they've made the tools, but it's entirely up to the player yeah. to use those tools. Mm -hmm. And they can use um, it in a lot of strange, interesting, bizarre, and just yeah. wonderful ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I probably should have said in my roundup, the fact that I could base... It was it was one lesson I did as, you know, as a maths teacher. I can I can see a tangible result that, that kids get from 40 minutes spent playing a, a computer game when, you know, every other conversation about video games and kids seems to be how much damage they're doing, certainly in, in popular uh, mainstream media. I turned out um, completely if, normal. It, fe it feels that way. And so that I can I can walk into a classroom and, and, you know, I can have fun, the kids can have fun, and anyone who was standing watching it could say, yeah, okay, the kids are getting something from this. Um, I think that's, that's pretty impressive, and it's not every game could do that. Well, there we go. It's time for the roundup. You can play along with Kane and Rince Volume 2. Next week is the uh, Tom Braider. That features a guy with braids called Tom. And then after that, El Shaddai, Ascension of the Metatron. Sounds like uh, Farmers, It's not. <laughs> <laughs> and Ninja Theory's DMC, uh, Devil May Cry, Deadly Premonition, Starwing, and that's a joint show with uh, Star Fox 64, or Lila Wars, uh, Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell, Chaos Theory, Fahrenheit slash Indigo Prophecy, Super Meat Boy, L.A. Noir, Psychonaut, and Heavy Rain for episode 100. You can also buy merchandise so that when you go to a stylish nightclub, people can look at you funny at kanandrince.spreadshirt.co.uk. That's spreadshirt as opposed to spreadsheet. Take a look at our quick runs videos via the blog or the Kane and Rince YouTube channel. 
You can find us on Twitter at CaymanRunts, facebook.com slash CaymanRunts. You can support us by subscribing, reviewing, and or rating us on iTunes. Check out the Cayman Runs periodical. You can check out, check out the Cayman Runs Minecraft server, which is kind of topical given the podcast you're listening to. <laughs> you can join the Cayman Runs community and have your say at CaymanRuns.com slash forum. All of this and more can be found at CaymanRuns.com and Dertil says, Foreman, stop talking here in capital letters because he thinks I should shut up. Yep, that sounds about right to me. Shut your face and it's time for me to say thank you to those lovely guys. Now I'd like to thank James Carter, Darren Foreman, and Richie Underwood for joining me, Darren Gorget, on this podcast. Peace. Thank you.